Thanks for tuning in to the Met Church Podcast. Here at the Met, we are all about connecting people to God and one another. If you have any questions or want more information about what's going on here at the church, then head to our website at metchurch.com. We would love to stay connected with you throughout the week through social media, so be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the message. How are we doing this morning? Oh, no, 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 no. This is the week after Easter. We need more energy than that. How are we doing this morning? Yes, 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 yes. Good, I good. That's what I need. I gotta, you got to be with me. You got to be with me. I got a question for you this morning. Have you ever got up and looked yourself in the mirror and thought, man, I wish I could change that? You know, you know what I'm talking about? Have you ever have you kind of looked yourself over and thought, you know, if I could change this one thing, I'd just feel so much better about myself. You know what I'm talking about. You ever look in the mirror and kind of do one of those things or, or do one of these things? You know, you check yourself out. You ever thought about that? Yeah, you have. Come on, don't lie. You're in church. You've done that. You've thought about this before. I'm just telling you right now. I'm telling you right now that if I could take a pill... Okay, if I could take a pill to have washboard abs and bigger biceps, I'm taking it. I mean, I am there, right? I'm there. I mean, we all would do that. Let's face it, you would do that. If you could snap your fingers or if you could take a pill and you could change what you want to change in your life, you'd do it in a heartbeat. But see, that's where the problem is. See, the problem is we'd all change if it was easy, right? We'd all change if it was easy. But if we've got to work at it, if we actually have to do something, oh, we just can't be bothered. We can't be bothered. Heard this story about this man who, who really let himself go. He let himself go, and, and every time his wife would ask him to do something, he'd go, no, I can't, I'm just too tired, I just can't do that. And she goes, we gotta we got get this checked out, because this has gotta change, I can't, I can't have this. So she takes him to the doctor, and they start running all these tests. Well, the doctor comes back and sits him down, and he goes, sure enough, sure enough, yes, you're in bad shape. I mean, if you don't change your lifestyle completely, this isn't gonna end well for you. And so what he does, instead of telling him what to do, he sends him out of the office and just talks to the wife. And she's going, why, why, why didn't you tell him what to do? And he goes, well, because I wanted to talk to you because I want you to understand just how serious this is. And she goes, okay, okay. And he goes, he needs to change, but for him to change, you've got to change. And she goes, I've got to change. And he goes, yes, you've got to change. You've got to start feeding him three healthy meals a day. You need to cook three healthy meals every single day. No fast food, no takeout. You've got to take care of him. He needs to be able to rest. You've got to wait on him hand and foot. You've got to take care of his every need. He's got to be stress-free. Everything has got to be peace and calm around him. That means you've got to keep the kids out of his hair. They can't raise up his stress level. You need to keep them calm, keep them away. Way. And plus, he doesn't need any financial pressure either. He doesn't need any financial pressure. Don't be spending any money. Don't be, don't be buying anything because he needs nothing but peace and quiet or he's not going to be around in three months. And she's going, what? Okay. So she gets up and she walks out of the office and the husband comes up and says, what was that all about? And he goes, sit down, honey, sit down, sit down. You need to sit down. And she sits down beside him and she goes, listen, honey, I got to be honest with you. The doctor just told me you're going to die in three months. <laughs> See, see, we all know, we all know what we have to do. We all know what we should do, but we're just not willing to do it because we like routine, right? We don't like change. We like doing the same old, same old, same old thing we've always done. I mean, come on, let's be honest. How many of you, how many of you are sitting in the exact same seat you sit in every time you come to church? Come on, sitting in the exact same seat. Come on, raise your hands. I know who you are. I see you there all the time. I do, I see you. That's how I know when you're skipping church because you're not in your seat, okay? And for all of you that didn't raise your hand, 
if you want to tick somebody off next weekend, just sit in one of those seats. I'm just telling you, just sit in one of those seats and you're going to hear about it. We changed, we changed the seating arrangement in here a while back and people came in and lost their minds. They were like, I can't find my seat. Where do I sit? Where do I sit? Because we like the same old, same old. We like routine. We don't like things to change, do we? Sir Isaac Newton, his first law of of motion is this, that anything in motion is going to stay in motion, and anything that at at rest is going to stay at rest unless affected by an outside source. And what that means for you and I is that you and I are going to keep doing the same thing we've always been doing unless we're affected by an outside source. Well, last week was Easter, and Bill told us that Jesus is that outside force, that because of the resurrection, you and I can change That because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, you and I should change. And that's what I wanna talk about today. I wanna talk about what that change looks like. We've been in a series called I Am, and for the last several weeks, Bill has been talking about the seven I Am statements that Jesus made about himself in the book of John. And it's been an amazing, amazing series. So if you've missed any of those previous weeks, make sure you go to metchurch.com and watch those because they are truly, truly life-changing messages. You need to check those out. But what we've been seeing is it's because of who Jesus is and because of what Jesus did for us, you and I can change. We have the ability to change. We can go from being condemned to being forgiven. We can go from being a slave to being free. We can go from being a sinner to a saint because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. I love this quote by C.S. Lewis. He says this. He says, you can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, we can change our ending. That when Jesus said, it is finished, he said, I've done everything I need to do for you to change your life. And he made it easy. He made it easy. Ephesians 2.8, what does it say? It says that we're saved by faith through grace, not by anything we do, that it's a gift from God. We don't have to work at this change. We need to accept this gift. And when we accept this gift... We're changed. Second uh, Corinthians 5.17 says that we're new creations in Christ. The old is gone, the new is here. We are changed forever when we accept that free gift of Jesus Christ. So what does that mean? What does that look like? What should that mean for you and I? Well, Jesus made it pretty clear what it means. Remember, the Bible tells us that after the resurrection, Jesus didn't immediately go to heaven, did he? He stayed here on earth for 40 days. For 40 days, he hung out and he was talking to people. He appeared to over 500 people in this time. And you might be asking yourself, why did he do that? I mean, if he did everything, if it was finished, if he would, everything he should have done, why didn't he just go right to heaven? Well, Paul, I think, says it best in, in 1 Corinthians 15, 3, when he says that our faith would be uh, useless, be worthless without the resurrection. There are a lot of theologians who believe that Christianity wouldn't even be around today if it wasn't for the resurrection. And so Jesus hung out with the people and he preached and he teached and he encouraged. And then before he ascended to heaven, he said, if I've changed you, go change somebody else. He gave us our marching orders. He gave us what we need to do. He gave us the great commission. 
And the last thing that he told us is in Matthew 28 when he said this. He said, therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus was saying, if I've changed your life, go change somebody else's life. If I've changed your ending, go change somebody else's ending. If you're a follower of me, go get more followers. I've changed you. You should be excited about this. And so today I wanna tell you a story about a guy who was excited, this guy who did a total 180. It's a guy you might be familiar with. His name is Peter. Remember, Peter's the guy that bravely took that step out of the boat and walked on the water. But then when Jesus was arrested, what did he do? He was so scared, he denied even knowing Jesus. He didn't want anybody to know that he knew who Jesus was. And he runs away. And he goes back to his old life, goes back to fishing. But the Bible tells us that after the resurrection, what does Jesus do? He goes to Peter and he makes some breakfast on the beach. See, after a night of fishing, Peter comes in and Jesus had already made breakfast for him. And when he sees that, it changes his life. Well, of course it would. When you see a guy who was supposed to be dead and a few days later he's cooking you breakfast on the beach, it changes the way you look at life, doesn't it? And it changed the way Peter looked at life. He was no longer scared to let anybody know that he knew Jesus. He was boldly proclaiming who Jesus was and what Jesus can do. He was out there sharing his faith to everyone. Now, this story takes place about two months after the crucifixion. It takes place in Jerusalem, and it takes place on the Temple Mount. And if you're not familiar with this, this is, a, this is about a 34-acre piece of property that sits in Jerusalem. This is a modern-day picture of it. It's got some buildings on it. It's got a wall all the way around it. And this is the center of all religious activity in Jerusalem. This is where all the religious stuff goes on in Jerusalem. And it's got a ton of steps that you gotta climb to get up into this place. Well, in this story, Peter, who's traveling with another disciple by the name of John, is climbing these steps to go in to this temple mount. He's going into it. And just before he enters in, and just before he goes to the gate, he sees this crippled man who's there at the gate begging for money. Now, this man has been crippled since birth. He's about 40 years old now. And every day he's picked up and he's carried and he's placed at the gate to the Temple Mount so that he can beg for money for everybody who's going in and out of that. So anybody who's gone in and out of the temple for years and years knows who this guy is. They've seen this guy. They passed this guy. Well, Peter and John are about to pass him and he's begging them for money. And they turn, turn to him and say, sorry, dude, we're, we're tapped out. We don't, we, don't, we, don't, we don't got anything, but we'll do something even better. And what they do is they heal this man right there. Right there, for the first time in his life, he stands up. For the first time in his life, he is walking around. So you can imagine just how excited this guy is. Well, when Peter and John go into the temple, so does he. He follows them. He's there, and you know what he's doing. He's going, thank you, thank you, thank you. Look what you've done to me. I can walk around. I mean, isn't this amazing? This is a miracle. Well, because he's getting so excited, all the other people that are in the temple start looking around, and they start seeing it. They go, wait a minute. Isn't that that guy we passed on the way in? Isn't, isn't that that man who's been begging for years and years and years? He's crippled. How is he, how's he standing? What's going on? How, what's going on with this? So they all start coming around. They all start gathering around. As soon there's this huge crowd around them. Well, Peter's like, cool, a crowd. I'm going to preach. I'm going to preach. And he starts preaching right there. But the problem is he starts preaching about Jesus. He starts preaching about Jesus on the Temple Mount. Now, remember... 
The people who put Jesus to death, the people that took Jesus to the trial, the religious council, they're the ones that control this place. So right there in front of the religious council, all the people that put Jesus to death, he's talking about Jesus. And he's getting louder and louder and the crowd's getting crazier and crazier. They're going, they're getting so excited. Well, the authorities see all this commotion. They see all this commotion. So they go to try to figure out what's going on. Well, they hear the name of Jesus and they don't like it. And so they break it up by arresting Peter and John. They arrest him and they throw him into jail. Now remember, I told you the, resur- uh, the crucifixion was just two months ago. So they're probably arrested by the very same people who arrested Jesus. They're probably in the very same jail that Jesus was in. And it's not looking good for them. It's not looking good at all. Well, the next day, they're brought into this room in front of that religious council, that whole ruling council. They're there in front of Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, his son-in-law, Annas' sons, everybody that was there for the Jesus trial. Everybody who was there, everybody that held Jesus' fate in their hand is there. And they're the ones that are gonna determine what happens to Peter and John. And they look at him, they go, what's this about? Why are you bringing up Jesus again? We got rid of this guy two months ago and now you're here talking about him again. What is going on? Why are we talking about this? And you gotta remember, Peter's seen a resurrected Jesus. So he's not scared of anything. So he looks at the guys that put Jesus to death. He looks him in the eye and he says, you killed him, but God raised him. You killed him, you thought you got rid of him, but guess what, he's alive, God raised him. Can you imagine the tension in that room? Can you imagine what was going through their minds? These are the people that can decide whether Peter and John live or die, and he's going, you killed him, but God raised him. And then he goes even further. He goes even further because this is what he says to him. He says, salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. This was so offensive. This was so offensive to these religious leaders. Because, see, the religious leaders, they were Sadducees, okay? And Sadducees don't believe in the resurrection. They believe that, that, that uh, you live your life for God and then you die and that's it. They don't believe in the resurrection. That's why they're sad, you see? That's how you know what Sadducees believe. Because <laughs> they believe you just die and that's it. But no, it's a resurrection. So here's all of these people. And he's saying, guess what, guys? Everything you believe in, everything you teach is wrong. Because the guy you killed is alive. There was a resurrection. And guess what? The only way to be right with God is to give your life to him. It's found in nobody else. I mean, the tension in that room is crazy. But again, Jesus changed his life. He's not worried about anybody else. He's not worried what they say. And this continues. It says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. They couldn't believe they were being talked to this way. They're thinking, listen, we're the holiest of holy people in all of Jerusalem. We're the ones that are the teachers of the law. We know the scripture better than anybody else. And you're trying to tell us that we don't know how to be right with God? Who do you think you are? Who they are are changed people. That's who they are. They've been changed by Jesus They go, who do you think you are? And then it says they they saw that these men had been with Jesus. So now they're thinking, oh, so this is what this is all about. Well, you know what we did to him, right? You know what we did to your master. We're the ones that hold all the power here. 
because Rome listens to us. And all we gotta do is, is march on down to Pilate and we say, listen, we gotta, gotta have a couple more crucifixions. This Jesus thing is coming back up again. So let's get, kill these guys so we can get rid of this whole Jesus talk once and for all. They'll listen to us because Rome listens to us. So I don't know who you think you are, but this is why I love this story because they actually didn't have the power. Why didn't they have the power? But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say because the man whose life had been changed by these people was standing right there. They were done. And so they send Peter and John and the crippled man out of the room and they start talking to each other. What are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? I mean, I, I, I wanna get, get rid of this Jesus thing once and for all too, but we can't kill these guys. We can't, we can't kill these guys because people revolt because they think God has performed a miracle by healing this man through their words. We can't do this. We can't do it. So they bring him in. And they say, it's your lucky day, guys. This is your lucky day. We're gonna let you go. We're gonna let you go, but we want you to understand one thing. We want you to understand one thing. You bring up Jesus again and it's not gonna end well for you. You're gonna go, but you keep Jesus to yourself. Because if you come back here because you're talking about Jesus again, it's gonna be a different ending for you. So we're gonna let you go, but no more Jesus talk. And that's what they did, they let him go. And what do you think they did? Hmm? What do you think they did? Do you think they got out of there and went, wow, I can't believe they let us out of this one. Can you imagine that? I thought we were gone for sure. I mean, Peter, Peter, when you looked at the high priest and said, you killed him and God raised him. I mean, I thought, I thought we were done for at that point. It was great. I loved hearing it. I thought it was great that you said it, but you know, I thought that was it. We're out of here. We're, we're, we're dead for sure. We just better keep Jesus to ourselves from now on. I mean, after all, he's changed my life, right? He's changed your life. We don't need to worry about anybody else. I mean, come on. As long as he's got us, we're good, right? No. They've seen a resurrected Jesus. Jesus said, go make more disciples. He said, if you've been changed, go change somebody else. They were fearless, and that's what you and I should be. We should be fearless in sharing our faith. That we shouldn't be satisfied that our lives have been changed. We shouldn't be satisfied that, guess what? I'm different now and so it doesn't matter about anybody else. We should wanna change somebody else and that's what they did. And it said they went back um, into Jerusalem and met with some Christians that had been there praying and hoping that they weren't gonna have to go to a couple more crucifixions. And they met with these people and it says, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them that we need to keep our mouth shut about Jesus. No more Jesus talk but we're not gonna do that, right? And they're all going, no, no, we're not gonna do that. And so what do they do? They said that when they heard this, they all raised their voice to gather in prayer to God. Right there in Acts 4, we see the first Christian prayer meeting. Right there, the first time in the Bible, you see a bunch of Christians getting together to pray. And what they pray is something that every single one of us who Jesus has changed their life should be praying every single day. They get together and they pray and they say, Sovereign Lord, one back. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. They were saying, God, we know you are a big God. There is nothing that this world can throw at us. There is nothing that we can face that is, not, that is bigger than you are, that you can't overcome. 
that you are in control. And even though in life sometimes it doesn't feel like you're in control, it feels like that the, the religious council's in control or the Romans are in control or Emperor Tiberius is in control, even though it feels sometimes that you're not in control, we know that you are in control. And what they're doing is they're actually reciting a psalm. They're reciting a psalm and they continue to recite a psalm when they say this. They go, you spoke by the Holy Spirit, by the mouth of your servant, our father, David. They're talking about King David here. And he says, why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? Kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. And what they've been doing is they've been reciting a messianic psalm. And a messianic psalm is a psalm that was written about Jesus. And this psalm was written a thousand years before Jesus. See, David was talking about that God was gonna send an anointed one, a deliverer, a savior. And they knew that the one that God sent was Jesus. And because God sent Jesus, they knew what they had to do. And so they step out of this prayer and they say this, indeed, Herod, Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. And they did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. They said, we saw it. We saw Jesus arrested. We saw him beaten. We saw him having to carry that cross through the street. We saw him nailed to a cross. We saw him crucified at the hands of these people. We saw it. But we also know it didn't catch you by surprise, God, did it? It was all part of your plan because on the third day you rose him again. And we see that. We see that you're in control. So we're not scared of anything anymore. We're not scared. We're not gonna run back to our old life. We're gonna boldly stand here and tell everybody how you changed us. And that's what they do. They ask him. They ask him this request. And every time I read this in, in Acts 4, I always see myself and I go, man, I am so spiritually immature because of what they pray for and what I would pray for. See, if I'm praying for this, I'm saying, God, let these people have it for what they did to your son. I mean, take them out. I wanna see, I wanna see a bunch of, uh, of thunder and lightning. I wanna see fire. I wanna see them just burned up. I wanna see the whole thing. But now, because they knew God was in control when they prayed this. He said, look, now Lord, consider these threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. They're saying, God, we know what we're up against. We know that people aren't gonna wanna hear what we have to say. We know we're gonna face opposition. But God, don't let us chicken out. Don't let us chicken out. God, help us to keep sharing the faith in the face of adversity. You can do this. And they say, stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders in the name of your holy servant, Jesus. They're saying, give us opportunities to share our faith. Give us opportunities to let people know that you've changed our lives. That's what we should be praying. We should be praying, God, give me an opportunity to share my faith with the guy in the cube next to me. God, give me an opportunity to share my faith with the lady in the office down the hall from me. God, give me an opportunity to share my faith with the people who have lockers next to mine at school. God, give me opportunity to share my faith with the people I sit in the bleachers with at my kids' games. God, give me those opportunities because you've changed my life. And I know you can change theirs. 
And I know you wanna change theirs. And if that's what you want, then I wanna be a part of it. I wanna do it too. So give me those opportunities. And then they said, that after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaking and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they all spoke the word of God boldly. They went out and talked about the change that had happened in their life. And because they were talking about that change, hundreds of people, then thousands of people, and then people all around the Mediterranean Rim's lives were changed because of it. We're here today because of the boldness of those first century Christians. Because they were giving a hope that the rest of the world couldn't offer. They were giving the hope of Jesus Christ and it made a pagan world lean in and go, why do you have hope when this whole world seems hopeless at this point? And lives were being changed because of it. That's why Peter wrote this in 1 Peter 3.15. He said, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. First century Christians were the most persecuted people on the planet. They were killed for their faith. Everything was taken away from their faith because of their faith, but they had hope. And the rest of the world couldn't understand it. And Peter's saying, they're not gonna understand it because they don't have Jesus, but you can share your faith and they can have Jesus too. And that's what was happening. People were leaning in. Every time I, every time I read this verse, I think of Pastor Bill. I think of Bill. Here he is standing up here and he's leading our church. He's got a wife with a terminal illness. He's got a grandchild that's not supposed to live much longer. But he stands up here and he delivers the message of hope because he has hope because Jesus Christ died and rose again. And because he is delivering that hope, lives are being changed because of it. Last weekend at Easter, after one of the services on the, on the Saturday night, I was out shaking hands at the door and this lady comes out and tears are coming down her face. It was the first time she'd ever been to the church. And she said, God brought me here because I needed to hear that. I needed to hear that message because I'd lost all hope. I lost all hope. We've got a niece that's not supposed to live. And I needed to hear that. And I'm gonna go back and get my family and they need to be back here to hear that as well because we need hope. That's what you and I are called to do is to share the hope that we have in life. So before we go, I wanna give you three quick things that the change, what that change should look like in you, what that change should cause you to do. And the first thing it should cause you to do is you should imitate. You need to imitate Christ. 1 Corinthians 11.1 1 says, be imitators of me just as I am of Christ. Paul was saying that, guess what? It's not about you anymore. It's not about you. It's about shining the light of Christ into people's lives. It's about doing what he did. Christians, all of you here, we should be the most compassionate, giving, caring people on the planet. Do you see that in your life? Are you giving? Are you compassionate? Do you sacrifice for other people? When people look at you, do they see something different than themselves? I mean, why would I wanna change and give my life to Christ if, if you've given yours to him and there's not a change in you? What's the big deal? We need to be a difference. The first time that people were called Christians was actually in the book of Acts. Do you know that? It was actually a derogatory term. It's all the pagans were looking at these people and going, y'all guys are crazy. 
Man, we do all ter- kinds of terrible things to you and you're still nice to us. You still you know, take care of us. You still give for us when you don't have anything. You share, it's unbelievable. You're acting like that Jesus guy. Are you acting like that Jesus guy? Do people see something different in you? We should change because of what he did for us. Second thing we need to do is we need to initiate. We need to initiate. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Seek is an active word. That means we should be on the lookout. We should initiate conversations about the change in us. We should initiate conversations. We should initiate invitations to come here, to be a part. You know people in your circle right now that need Jesus. You know people right now that should be sitting beside you in church. Are you gonna initiate those conversations to get them here? Remember what Jesus did in Matthew 9? Remember Jesus in Matthew 9? He's, he's, having, he's sitting and eating with the, the sinners and all the churchy religious people are on the outside. They're looking and going, what's he doing? That's awful. They're terrible people. Why would he associate with anybody like that? Why would you be with those people? And what was Jesus' response? He said, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. He goes, I'm going to the people who need me. I'm not gonna spend all my time with people who already have me. I'm going to the people who need me. Are you bringing people here who need him? I mean, if you're healthy, you should be looking for sick people to get them here. That's why we do what we do. That's why we do all this. That's why we have all this stuff here and all the lights. That's why we do the music we do so that you can feel good about inviting somebody to come here. That's why we do Led Zeppelin at Easter, okay? That's why we do that. We do Led Zeppelin at Easter because, because we know that when you talk to somebody, you talk to somebody and you say, listen, I know church might not be your thing. <laughs> you know, I understand that. I mean, this, this, it, it really wasn't my thing either. But when I came to the Met, it was like no church I'd ever been to before. They were doing things I hadn't seen before in church. We did Led Zeppelin at Easter. And when they come, they're gonna hear Led Zeppelin by the best band they'll ever hear in their life. This is, we got the greatest band we've, anyway. I mean, I'll tell you what, we got, we got an incredible band here. And they're going to knock it out of the park. But guess what? After they hear that, they're going to get the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. That's why we do what we do. There was a, there was a, heard a story of there was a person who comes to the church. It was a, an older uh, person who was going, you know, I could have done without the Led Zeppelin. You know, it just really wasn't my thing. It just really, I just, I didn't need that. And then she was out in the lobby and she heard this guy talking. It was the first time here. And he says, any church that plays Led Zeppelin is a church I can come to. <laughs> and she went, I get it. I get why we do what we do. It's not about me. It's about life change. And if I can see lives being changed, I get excited. You need to get excited. Initiate the conversation. Get somebody here. And the third thing you need to do is you need to illuminate. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We need to serve each other. We need to be doing good things for each other. See, when you serve, you're never more like Jesus. Jesus said in Matthew 20, 28, he said, I didn't come to be served, I came to serve. 
Do you come to church to serve others? Or do you come to be served? See, when you just come to be served, you're putting a cover over your light. You're not shining that light. That's why we have all these opportunities for you to serve. You're in here right now because somebody's watching your kids. They're pouring into your kids. Somebody is serving your kids. Somebody's serving your, your, your youth. Somebody was helping you park. Somebody was saying hello to you and, and being nice to you. Somebody was making the coffee so that you had something to drink when you came in here. Somebody was pouring into you. Do you realize that our church, that we are so blessed I mean, God just does that. But we have between 10 and 20 new families every single week. If you're serving here, you have a chance to light, to be a light to these new people that are coming to our church. You can be a difference, but it doesn't happen if you're not serving. Make sure you go out there before you leave and say, I need to serve. We try to be a difference. We try to make a difference in everybody's, everybody's life. We have a food pantry that feeds over 200 families every single week. These people are shining the light of Christ and the people that are in need and lives are being changed because of it. You need to be a part of that. Don't leave without signing up because you need to serve. You need to be part of what's going on. Remember, I started with the story of, of Peter. Remember, he's on the beach. And Jesus is talking to him over breakfast. And what does Jesus say to him? He says, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do, 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 you, do you really love me? And he says, if you love me, go make a difference. Go change somebody. Go do something. And he was fearless. 1 John 4, 18, it says this, there's no fear in love because perfect love casts out all fear. And Jesus is saying to you, do you love me? Because if you love me, don't be scared to share your faith. Don't be scared to tell somebody that your life has been changed forever because of Jesus. I wanna end with a quote that I found from Mother Teresa. And she said this, she says, I alone cannot change the world, but I can cast a stone across the waters to create many ripples. You and I can't change the world, but we can cast some stones to make a lot of ripples. When we imitate, when we initiate, and when we illuminate. When we share Christ, we can change lives. And I just can't wait to see what the people of the Met, the lives are gonna be changed because you start casting stones and saying, Jesus changed my life. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you. We thank you because you made it easy. Your son did all the work when he went to the cross and carrying all of our sin and shame, when he died for us, and then he rose again. That it's through our faith in you that we're changed. We don't have to do all the work because you did it. And God, we just ask that you help us to fearlessly proclaim that change. That you give us the, the, the opportunities to reach people, to change lives, because you have changed us in every way, God. 
We don't ever wanna take that change for granted. Help us to be the most compassionate, caring, giving people. Help us to imitate you in every way. And God, help us to reach a world that so desperately needs to see you. A world that is living in hopelessness, even though some of them don't even know it yet. But let us be that hope. And if you're here this morning and you've never, you've never entered into that relationship, you're not here by accident. And if you're listening online, you're not watching this by accident. God has been speaking to you and he wants you to know how much he loves you, that he loved you so much that he sent his son to die on the cross for you. And he's saying, it's time. It's time to change your life. If that's you, right where you are, just say, God, I realize this. I finally realize that my life has been on the right, wrong track. I finally realize that you sent your son to die for me, for me. That he died and he rose again for me and that's why I wanna live for you. If you believe that, if you've given your heart to him, you believe what God has done for you, your life is forever changed. You're accepting that free gift that God has given for you. And now you're ready to go shine that light we're ready to shine that light of change in you. And God, help us to do that. Help us to be a light. Help us to be a difference in this world. And we thank you for that because we are changed because of you. And we pray this all in Jesus' name, amen. If you've got any prayer needs, we'll have prayer team up here. They'd love to pray with you. I also wanna invite you to be back next weekend. Bill is starting a brand new series called Take Courage. This is gonna be an awesome series. It's a great series for you to bring somebody. Make that invitation. I know where you sit, so I'm gonna see if somebody new sitting next to you, okay? So anyway, you have a great weekend. We'll see you next weekend. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for tuning in today with us. If you have any questions or prayer requests, please contact us so that we can follow up with you this week by visiting metchurch.com. We look forward to seeing you again next week.